May peace be with you. If you stick around at the end, there's more information about our community and how to find us. And now, here's this week's Centering Scripture, followed by the sermon. Our scripture is from Corinthians 1, chapter 12, verses 4 through 7 and 11 through 12. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same God. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who activates all of them and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. All these are activated by one and the same Spirit who allots to each one individually just as the Spirit chooses. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. And our second scripture is from Mark, chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. Other boats were with them. A great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that the boat was already being swamped. But Jesus was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. Then the wind ceased, and there was a dead calm. He said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great awe and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Friends, this morning we are continuing along in our Lenten theme, Life in the Midst, which explores how we cultivate practices to keep us grounded and guided, particularly when life gets tough. Last week, I stood up here and shared a sermon on serenity in the midst of mortality. Today, I'm talking about resiliency in the midst of decline. And if both of those topics sound heavy to you, a little commercial for the next couple weeks where we will be discussing play in the midst of work (laughs) and art in the midst of apathy. But for today, we do dive into resiliency in the midst of decline, and I use the word decline there rather than simply the word change, and I'll say more about that in the moment. But first, um, I also want to recognize that in the past, every, I don't know, six months, a year or so, I've, I've mentioned the topic of institutional church decline before. It's not something that I'm going to go into in depth this morning, but for the sake of this sermon, I will recognize here at the top that we as a community are navigating a season of life with widespread decline in church membership, participation, and engagement. We're seeing this throughout society, even if we aren't necessarily seeing that here at St. Luke. It's also not just churches, though. We are seeing declining health and trust in our political system and in many of our democratic institutions. I've just spent the last three weeks 
side by side with parents and teachers in Minneapolis, in Minneapolis public schools who are really worried about our declining ability to fund public education. And we are also seeing continued environmental decline, which is beginning to impact our world more and more. We aren't just living in an age of change. I don't think that's quite enough to say we are living through an age of some significant declines. Now, it's in the midst of these very real existential circumstances that we ourselves, as St. Luke, are navigating our calling. And we're doing so, I might add, as a community that remains financially strong, purposefully driven, and intent upon sharing God's love and justice in the world. So if you need to hold on to that life preserver throughout the storm ahead, please do. Our ship is strong. We've weathered some serious storms, especially the last couple years, but we're doing well, even amidst these societal trends. But that's where I want to dive in this morning, because just because our ship is strong, it doesn't mean that some of us may not be in this boat and feeling a little bit worried about our church, about our institutions, about our paychecks as religious professionals who are young in our careers. How do we respond and remain faithful when the going gets tough? Well, some seven or eight years ago, earlier in my ministry, when I was an associate pastor at a large church undergoing a rather large capital campaign to transform a building and expand the building, add new worship spaces and parking, we were asking ourselves a very similar question. How do we respond faithfully when the going gets tough? This big capital campaign and, and the resultant project, it was described as a unique investment in the future of the church and in church-based ministry as a whole. As a part of this effort, each of us on staff did our part to contribute to the vision of what this future might mean. We had a lot of funds to raise, a lot of ideas to gather, and we all did our part. For my part, as I thought about the project, the church, its vision for the future, I was drawn to this passage of Jesus and the disciples setting a course for new ministry adventures, when all of a sudden, those winds of change began to whip up around them. And I found myself asking to that church, and I'll say to this church here today, how do we respond? in the midst of change, when the winds are beginning to swirl and blow about us, when fears are rising around us too, and the majority of congregations across our landscape seem to be shelling up, battening down the hatches, perhaps taking a posture of caution, maybe even fear or safety. How do we respond when the winds are raging? Seven or eight years ago, this was my response. What if we respond not with fear, but with faith? What if when these winds are changing our blowing, our response is not to batten down the hatches, panic high below the deck, but what if our response is to hold a finger to the air, to discern the wind, and then set our sails, recognizing that these very winds of change may be the winds that lead us into a new frontier. Maybe this is God's spirit blowing us into a new direction. 
could we find the faith to overcome our fears and set our sails? It's a good take and a rather inspiring metaphor, if I do say so myself, and one that I still maintain and ascribe to today. We are a part of a church tradition that has a long legacy of being reformed and always reforming, which is to say that we believe that God's Spirit is always moving us to new frontiers, to new ways of being, to deeper understanding of love, of justice, of compassion, of grace, of inclusion. We are always changed people, changing yet again. We do not rest in our laurels. We continue to seek the guidance of God's Spirit. But I said at the top, we're not just talking about change here today. We are also talking about how to navigate decline. And I don't think it's simply enough to be talking about change now either. If I extended this metaphor, I would say that we are living in a world in which not only the winds of change are blowing, but because we are living through a world of climate change, of failing institutions, of widespread church decline, the very water in which our ship is sailing is beginning to drain and disappear. In those circumstances, it's not, not enough to simply strengthen the ship and to set our sails. If the water is receding, eventually that boat is going to touch the bottom. And then what do we do? Now here, I'll remind everybody, we've got that life preserver right here that we're holding on to. St. Luke is fiscally strong. We are purposely driven. We are loving and connected. And we have survived hardship before. And in some ways, because we are unique, a small and a nimble congregation, we know how to respond to change. And I would dare say that we know how to respond to decline as well. So that life preserver is still here if you need it. But it's not just change. It is decline. And today, I'd like to think about, in some ways, what it might look like to go back to the early days of the church, to a time when our assumptions and expectations on what it means to be the church and what it means to share and serve the gospel is not so much bound around the assumption of a building or of a strong Sunday morning attendance hour, but rather it is fundamentally built around a community of people who are changed and who are moving out to change the world around them. You see, long before we had this institutional strength as a church, we had the gospel. We had the motivation of Jesus, our teacher and guide. And we had the creative, courageous, challenging work of figuring out how to live this forward without buildings, without live streams, without a 10:30 hour for structured attendance. I love this time together, and I hope to see you all here next week, so don't get me wrong. But sometimes, 
We get so used to and so comfortable with the strength of certain routines that have been institutionally built over time that, that we forget that we're not here to serve one hour a week or to serve a building. We're here to serve a community and the world at large and most importantly, the gospel. And if we can keep that memory in mind, and perhaps it can ease a bit of our fear and anxieties when we see some of the common institutions and assumptions that we've benefited from and have been able to carry for decades begin to erode. Now, talking about how to move into a resilient future in an age of not just change but decline, that is not ultimately the subject for one Sunday sermon or for one person or pastor to figure out. That is the work of a community to discern together through years and even decades. In many ways, that is our work together as we swing back into form from the last two years or so of this pandemic and as we navigate what new possibilities and challenges lie ahead of us. So I, I will not ultimately answer that question this morning, but I know it's also not helpful to say, hey, here's this big challenge that could be an opportunity. Go figure it out. So to help get the ball rolling, I do want to offer a few thoughts, namely three for how we navigate a future together that is not only different, but uncertain. A future that will be found probably less by tweaking the hour or style of our worship, and more so by fundamentally reinventing how we understand what it means to be the church together, which is to say, how we understand what it means to serve the gospel with others. What does it look like to find resiliency in the midst of decline? I would argue that, that first, we find such resiliency through serenity. In some ways, see my sermon last week. But we practice that age-old wisdom of accepting that there are some things that we simply cannot change, that are bigger than our own ability to change or control. And with accepting that, we then find the courage creativity and the compassion to move forward with those things that we can influence and shape and contribute to. The wisdom lies in finding the difference. What are those things that we really do need to accept? What are those things to, to really push forward with? The first is serenity. The second, we move forward in an age of not only change but decline by continuing to love and care for one another. Probably that should have been first. Wonderful author Margaret Wheatley, who writes about leadership and change, has this great quote from a, an article she wrote called When Change is Out of Control. And she shares that it is possible to prepare for the future without knowing what it will be. The primary way that we prepare for the unknown is to attend to the quality of our relationships to how well we know and trust one another. When we are feeling anxious about the state of a community or an institution or maybe even the state of a family, that anxiety might be a good cue 
to respond with some care. As I've learned through family systems theory, if there is anxiety in the system, you're probably not the only one feeling it. And so we respond with care, and when we do so, when we remember that we are one body with many parts, that we are united in purpose, even if we are different in skills, we find that even when situations seem challenging or bleak or unknown, that core commitment to love, it, it keeps us connected. It becomes the very air in the room of which we breathe. As a church, we do this all the time. There are long and deep friendships here. There are new folks who are welcomed in. There are pastors on staff. We also have deacons whose central focus is reaching out regularly to connect with every member of our congregation and community. We also have specially trained befrienders, folks who have taken courses on how to be a compassionate listener because they want to offer that type of listening and compassion to others. So we strive to do this as a church community, and perhaps it's a good reminder for each of us to strive to do that in our own lives as well, whether that's here at St. Luke or beyond. Our teachers out there, our coworkers, our hospital staff, our friends, our neighbors, they are feeling the burden of these times too. And maybe we won't always agree with those other individuals out there. But as Maya Angelou said, people don't necessarily remember what you say or believe, but they will always remember how you made them feel. And if in the midst of change and fear and anxiety, we can help each other feel seen and loved, friends, that will take care of nearly everything else. Third, we navigate and find resiliency in the midst of change and decline by diversifying and exploring the many ways in which we can share the gospel of God's love and justice together, even when some of the old assumptions may be fading away. If I go back to that image of that boat setting sail across the waters in which the winds of change are not only whipping, but now the water level is declining and we are getting worried, yes, we should strengthen our ship. Yes, we should work on our relationships. But you know what? We might want to start thinking about putting some wheels on the bottom of that boat. <laughs> or at least some footings. So that if that water level drops, we are prepared to evolve and to move new places or to set up an oasis in the midst of that dryness. If we see that a cliff is coming, we can turn and begin walking other ways. Or, like many hikers do, we can find ways to make switchbacks so that we're carefully traversing down a mountainside at a sustainable pace to lead us to a new area. 
We can diversify that ship. We can diversify how we are approaching ministry and understanding what it means to be the church, not just on Sunday morning, but all throughout our lives, and not just by the folks who show up on our membership rolls. But in every individual that we wind up sharing the love and justice of God with, if every individual that we encounter along the way as we join in advocacy and action and activism and care and compassion, a few examples of what this might look like. First, I need to recognize that we have a beautiful new educational installation in our garden court as well as these booklets here that are Speak to St. Luke's Ground Restoration Project. As many of you may know and remember, these backwoods used to be filled with buckthorn and other invasive species, but mostly with buckthorn. And there were no trails. There was very little ecological diversity. We saw, in the midst of the pandemic, a season in which we could not safely gather indoors together, an opportunity to pursue a big, hairy challenge as an eco-loving congregation who has a backyard filled with invasive species, we decided let's go for this. Now is the time, we can't gather indoors, let's gather outdoors and find a way to be in mission and ministry together. And so we took on the big work with some outside support of clearing the buckthorn. We are now in year two, a year in which we will be seeding and planting the area that we have cultivated to restore this woods to a beautiful, diverse ecosystem. And those seeds on our table are part of the seed mix that we will be doing in the shady ash grove area that's out back near the children's Sunday school um, log ring out there. In that glass vessel are 28 different seeds that will be seeded into one small shady area of our wider project. There are 28 different seeds in there because nature thrives through diversity. The natural world is resilient when it is made up of different pieces together, just like that image of the church as the body, one body, many parts, in the natural ecosystems, many species build resiliency. And when we have only one, like we all remember growing up and learning about the great potato famine in Ireland, when you make one crop, if one thing goes bad that affects that one crop, it can wipe out the entirety. In a natural ecosystem, if one thing goes bad that can wipe out one of those species, you've got 27 more. And that one thing may benefit others. Resiliency through diversity. That is a big part of this project, and it is a part of how we wind up healing the soil, restoring our ecosystem, and being better stewards of the watershed that we are on. I invite you to, to learn more about this project, to join us in our upcoming volunteer days, and to see on the inside not only a map of our wider project, but a full planting list of the many things, the many seeds of hope that we are planting. In nature, we find resiliency through diversity, and when there is not diversity, we panic a little bit because we know that things may not go so well. This is also something, though, that we see in the midst of our community frequently. 
This is, in many ways, the main cultural hour in which we gather together. Sunday morning worship, it has been a strength of the institutional church for a long time, but it is not the only time that we are together. In fact, many of our parents with youth and children wind up prioritizing bringing them to youth group in the afternoon because it's kind of hard to get out here twice. And so for a lot of our young folks, they're meeting at a different hour already. And though we don't always get to see it, they are there. And though we don't always get to see this building throughout the week, we have over 22 outside user groups who use these spaces for care meetings, for grief support groups, for accountability circles, for mission projects. It's not just Sunday mornings. Great example happened this week. Sandy over here, hi Sandy, messaged me on Wednesday nights. She's been volunteering with uh, a couple of the nonprofits that are working on our Afghan refugee support, rehoming Afghan refugees. Um, and a number of those families have unique needs as they settle into new homes and as the seasons change. Sandy reached out to me Wednesday saying that they are asking for sewing machines and fabric. Can St. Luke collect? And I said yes, because I love saying yes. Now, funny thing happened on Thursday. After Sandy posted this to Nextdoor, kind of like a Facebook but for communities, people started showing up. And on Thursday, about every 10 or 15 minutes, a new SUV pulled up to our circle and brought in sewing machines and fabric and yarn and not just small showing machines, but big ones on tables that we learned were not the best to, to welcome in, but... And you were here on Thursday, every 10 or 15 minutes, someone was showing up. We had to start stacking things so that we weren't blocking the chairs. I, if you didn't hear about this in our Thursday email, it's because I took it out of our email. I was getting worried about how much stuff we are having. And meanwhile, I'm thinking about how many of us are kicking ourselves that we can't get people to come and check out our church on Sunday morning? It turns out all along, the thing you need to do is say, we welcome old sewing machines. <laughs> How, this was the key to evangelism all along. And what's neat, though, is that I had a conversation, I didn't come out and greet everyone, I had to do some work, but I had a conversation with someone who was asking about whether their sewing machine would work, and, and she, she commented that, I love all the rain gardens here around, and I'm, I work with, uh, with my local church and with a gardening group, and, and I'm trying to get them to embrace some of these concepts with native plants and paying attention to your, to your watershed, and I wish I could help others see what that vision might look like. And I thought, hmm, we just printed this wonderful ground restorations guide. And so I handed it to her, and I explained her what we're up to. I invited her to a couple of our upcoming uh, planting sessions. She was really excited. She took the guide. She's going to bring it to, to her friends and to her church community. And wouldn't you know if this Sunday morning, while I was bopping around and wrapping up my sermon, 
I didn't hear Nora have the exact same conversation with someone at 10 a.m. who was dropping off a sewing machine. And she walked away with this, with this too. Now, that one story will not solve all of our worries about church institutional trends, but I think it can maybe give us a helpful reminder that people are hungry for connection, for compassion, for justice, for environmental care, for refugee care, all throughout the week. And actually, often, people are less interested than hearing some pastor preach a sermon and more interested in being a part of a creative solution. When we remember that, we may find that we have many diverse connections with the community around us. That we don't need to put all of our eggs into one basket and invest in only what happens here on Sunday mornings, as important as it may be, as excellent as these sermons may be, and our music may be, and our prayers may be. We don't live for Sunday mornings. We live for justice and compassion and love and support. This, in some ways, is how we practice that so that we can go forward and do that every week. If we are worried about institutional decline, perhaps what we can be thinking about is rather how is this institutional decline or the decline of these age-old assumptions shaking things up for us, breaking us open into new possibilities, reminding us that, no, actually, we can't go it alone on the strength of the institution ourselves. Rather, we may need our wider community to find our calling, to find our supply sources, our funding sources, to, supply, to find our resiliency sources. Let's keep strengthening our ship. Let's keep setting our sails amidst the, the, the winds of change. But darn it, let's, let's throw some wheels on that ship too. Let's find new river bends and streams and tributaries. Let's keep our eyes for different ecosystems. Let's diversify the seeds that we are planting, the seeds of hope that we have for not only the world, but for our specific future. Because, friends, there are flowers that bloom in the desert and entire ecosystems that thrive in dry environments. It's just a matter of making sure that we are finding those right and resilient seeds to plant in our mix. And I don't know what those right seeds are. But the more diversity we pack into that seed mix, and the more that we are connecting with our wider environment, the better opportunity we have to find new things, cultivate and grow into being. There's a lot of uncertainty ahead of us. There's also a lot of love and creativity and opportunity and compassion. And we still have far more resources, far more time on our side than the early church ever did. And yet they found their way forward. So I don't pray for decline. Frankly, I don't often pray for change. 
but I do pray that we will find creativity and resiliency because decline and change are here. But so are we, so is the gospel, and so is the chance to explore whatever comes next together. So may God grant us such resiliency here in the midst of change, yes, even in the midst of decline. And let's have some fun along the way too. Amen. As a church located on Lakota land in Minnetonka, Minnesota, St. Luke is a joyful, inclusive, intergenerational, and compassionate community on a spiritual journey seeking to do justice, make peace, and to walk humbly with God. We invite you to join us live for virtual worship each Sunday morning on Facebook or YouTube, or by following the worship links on our website, stluke.mn. Thanks for listening. May you go in peace.